This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Unreasonable Odds Podcast presented by DraftKings. We got a Wednesday, November 8th edition of the pod. Johnny Avello, we missed him last week on Odds Are. He is back this week. I will talk to Johnny and take a look behind the book, talk some NFL, some college football, and even some college hoops there with Johnny. And then Doug Kazarian, friend of the podcast, is going to join me to run through this week in sports betting, mostly football, but we'll touch some hoops there as well this week on Unreasonable Odds. All right, let's fire things up on Unreasonable Odds presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Julian Edlow. No Brendan Glasheen this week, so I'll be steering things uh, solo here in the host chair, but no problems there. We will have uh, no shortage of guests. Johnny Avello, as mentioned, will join the show for Odds Are with Johnny Avello, and we'll rip through some... uh, some thoughts from Johnny from behind the book, and then we got a guest coming on. Uh, Doug Kazarian has joined us before, formerly of ESPN at the time that he came on, but now of OnlyPlayers.com, and uh, Doug and I will talk some shop, look at some football bets for this week, look at maybe some basketball bets that we can get in. Obviously, Doug follows the market really closely um, and should have some good stuff for us. Let's take care of some housekeeping before we go to odds are best bets. Glasheen carried us with a 2-0 week last week. Uh, he hit on Arizona on the college slate. They're getting it done as home dogs every week. Now they're big favorites at Colorado. And then he did take the Eagles against the Cowboys. That was a tight one, but uh, wound up going his way. Samir, opposite end of the spectrum. Had the Seahawks against the Ravens. That one didn't work out. And took the public Notre Dame play with me. And I knew when Samir put it in as a best bet that I should take it back. Is one of my best bets, Samir. Notre Dame didn't get there. Obviously, for me, that puts me one and one. Notre Dame uh, jumped head first into that trap. Knew what I was doing. Didn't come through. I will never bet Notre Dame again on the road. That's my lesson learned uh, from that game. I did have the Chiefs as the other best bet from the morning Germany game, and they did wind up getting there for me. Um so let's go uh, Let's go to Odds Are with Johnny Avello now. And on the other side of that, we will bring in Doug and uh, cover this weekend's betting card. All right, you hear the music, you know what it means. It's time for Odds Are with Johnny Avello here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Johnny, we missed last week. Time to catch up. How we doing? Doing well, yeah. I was, I was down at the Breeders' Cup last week, so... Switching gears from sports to horses. Pretty good excuse. Um, All right. No, not too shabby. We're going to start in NFL as usual. We had some cool storylines in the NFL this past Sunday. Dobbs coming off the bench to get the win uh, in Minnesota. 
You got Stroud putting up massive numbers in a last-second win for the Texans. How have betters reacted to those performances specifically? Dobbs is now popping up there in the comeback player of the year uh, market, which I don't necessarily know what he's coming back from. He's a great most improved player or exciting story, but I don't know if he fits that award. Um, any movement in Minnesota, futures kind of bouncing back with with that Dobbs performance. And the C.J. Stroud rookie of the year number, ton of juice on that. Uh, did betters pound it at, at the high number after that performance on Sunday? Uh, well, the betters have wagered on both of their respective teams all year, catching them as dogs in most cases. Uh, now the betters weren't that happy with the Texas, uh, Texans uh, attempting, not attempting any type of a conversion after the final touchdown last week. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that, but. These situations happen in the NFL. You know, I've been around many and have seen strange things many times. Uh, Dobbs has, has taken a little money in the comeback player of the year. He now stands at eight to one. Um, they're really not buying the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. You know, odds are still at about 150 to one or so. They laid a much, uh, lower number than, you know, what it is now. Stroud is clearly the favorite in the offensive rookie of the year category. It's now uh, he's an unbettable price at minus $5 or one to five. So uh, not going to see much there. And that if that price, and he's probably going to go lower if he keeps performances like he had last week. Yep. Um, all right. So some of the games last week, Chiefs beat the Dolphins in Germany. Burrow keeps the Bengals on track, keeps them hot. Uh, Sunday night win against Buffalo. What were some of the better uh, results in NFL last week, both for DraftKings Sportsbook and some of the betters? Well, let's let's continue to touch on that Chief Dolphins. That was the biggest right ever by far for a European game. It wow. had prime time game numbers. Uh, they bet the Dolphins, so that was – Oh, a very good result for us. They also played the Bills that uh, last week, getting a few points at Cincy. Uh, so that was a profitable game for us. You don't get the Bills usually in a situation getting points. Yep, um, yep. The betters did well on Philly beating Dallas. That game certainly could have went either way. And on the Browns pitching a shutout at home versus the Cards, uh, they also bet them very, very big. Just a couple of uh, kind of market-related questions for you. You you mentioned a shutout there. The Rams, they scored just three points at Lambeau without Stafford. Uh, losing him uh, whenever he's out changes a lot for the Rams. What what goes into pricing them moving forward after you see something like that? Well, luckily, they're off this week. And it appears, he, you know, he may have a shot to return next week. Uh, Carson so, Wentz coming on board. May, uh, maybe things aren't looking good. We'll see. <laughs> exactly. So Rhett Ripien was waived this week. Rams signed Carson Wentz, who hasn't played since he was released by the Commanders early in the year. We open Seattle uh, three at the Rams next week. There's been no change. Now, that may tick down a notch with Wentz in there. Uh, you know, Wentz has probably a little bit rusty, but – with the Rams at home, I may I could see a little bit of push towards them. A little bit rusty might be an understatement. I'm very curious if we get a chance to see how Carson Wentz looks. 
Um, another team that is playing pretty rusty, the New England Patriots. They just, uh, I know Washington was a little sharper last week, finally, but the Patriots just week after week keep taking that money. Um, now they've got the, the Germany early morning game. They're just very short dogs, uh, against the Colts. What's going into setting the number with them after they keep taking money, but they keep failing most weeks except for that Buffalo victory. Yeah, there's a word that you use for them. I think, what do you call it? Dumpster fire, right? Yeah. Dumpster fire is what I wrote in my notes here, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you like to use that dumpster fire. I think that means they're mismanaged, I guess. But anyway. Uh, we, not good. Yeah, we opened them one and a half point favorite at home uh, against the scrappy, co- not at home, but uh, on the, you know, in that, in that, uh, in that uh, game where, you know, where's that in Germany again, right? Another yeah. Germany one, yep. Yep. Uh, and the, against the, you know, this Colts team has been playing pretty good. And even without Richardson and Minshew at the quarterback spot, they've lost the favoritism in the game. The Colts are now the one and a half point favorite. Uh, they're off next week. So we actually don't have to think about this whole situation for a while. But yeah, their, their, their power ratings are dropping quickly. All right, a team that's moving in the opposite direction, power rankings going up, that would be the Baltimore Ravens. How have betters been handling them? Win division, win the conference, win the Super Bowl? Is there much liability there? Because they've been, you know, they go up against the Lions. Uh, maybe take the points with the Lions. Smoke them. Again, this last week, uh, Seattle is at a lot of points. Smoke them. So Ravens looking really good. What's that uh, shaping up? How's that shaping up for you guys in the futures market? Certainly the now team, uh, they've been bet in the future categories. They're the fourth choice now to win it all at plus 950 to thir- plus 1300 last week. Uh, they're also a dollar 30 to win the AFC North. They're taking a little bit of money there, but Cincinnati's creeped back into the picture. So it's not a runaway and they're minus 1100 to make the playoffs. So. That has taken money too, and that's now at an unbettable price. Uh, there's a little li- liability on this team, but the pot in the future books continues to take money from all directions, and so therefore, uh, you know, whatever a small loss could be, could be a good win there at some point. All right, looking at the Week Ten NFL card, not the prettiest one uh, at all. But where do we see the early money going, Johnny? Well, let's start with the team we spoke about, the Ravens at home playing the Browns. Uh, line open four and a half. Now it's up to six. Uh, I think the betters are betting that because the Browns are just having some offensive line issues, and this is not yeah. a team you want to have that against. Uh, Texans seeing some action at Bengal land. The uh, Bengals open eight and a half, now down to seven. I could see this one, Jules, dropping under seven. I could, mm-hmm. This one could go off somewhere six and a half possibly. Uh, 49ers getting early play at the Jags. They were two and a half. Now they're up to three. They can't lose four in a row, can they? Uh, Just like they couldn't lose three in a row. <laughs> right. And to a team that's won five in a row, no less. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game's going to tell us a lot about both of these teams. Uh, you know, who, are the Jags actually a contender against, you know, a t- top team? Uh, so very, very interesting game here to watch. Lions also seeing a small push. They opened the small dog, and now they are the favorite in that one. All right, let's move it over to college football. Uh, Just seems to keep getting better and better these weeks. Uh, Public fell into a trap with Notre uh, Notre Dame at Clemson. Hand up. 
I was a part of it. Uh, <laughs> was that the best result for the book when it comes to college football last week? Uh, was it something else? Uh, if so, what, what were some of the other uh, best results for you guys, DraftKings Sportsbook, when it came to college football last week? Well, that was the Notre Dame-Clemson was the best game for us. Uh, yeah. Big right, best, you know, best one of the best revenue games. Uh, Arizona winning at home as an underdog against UCLA, that was also good results, along with Coach Prime's Colorado team, for, uh, you know, failing to win a game at home versus Oregon State. Now, yeah. they did cover in that game, but the play was on the money line, and so that's where we made our money on that one. We've been talking about that one all season. Betters just can't resist that Colorado money line, and it has not been returning much lately after that 3-0 start. All right, let's talk about where the public made some money in college football last week, though. What were some of those games? Uh, they did well on Bama beating LSU. Uh, they also did well on Washington beating USC and over the total in that one. Yep. Uh, and the game that we got sided on where there were winners and there were refunds, there weren't any losers, that was the Ohio State-Rutgers game. Uh, we were at between 19 and 18 and 18 and a half all week. So uh, mm -hmm. that happens. And when you have that many games, you're going to see that from time to time. Yep. All right. Looking ahead to college football week 11. What are some of those games that are uh, taking money coming up this weekend? We got some big ones. Yep. North Carolina open 13, now 14 and a half over Duke team with no uh, Riley Leonard. Mm -hmm. uh, Michigan open six and a half at Penn State. That's now down to four and a half. I don't think that's going to hold up, Jews. I really don't. Um, we've seen, you know, the Penn State team against uh, Ohio State, they were four, four and a half there. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they ended up betting Ohio State in that one. There's no reason why they won't bet Michigan in this one. Um, Arizona at Colorado, uh, that game is up from eight and a half to ten and a half. Now, this one's a little concerning for me. Because the power ratings have taken Arizona up to another level. And I just think they're going to unload on the Buffaloes at some point during the week. Uh, so I look for this one for us to have heavy money line action. Wouldn't be surprised if the Buffaloes pull, pull off this upset here. So, uh, this one is, is, does have some concerns to it. Uh, USC, uh, has lost all the betters respect. Oregon, Oregon opened 14 and a half at home. This thing's now up to 15. I will uh, advise you if you don't feel like laying the 15, perhaps take a look at the Ducks team total, 44 and a half. USC cannot stop a nosebleed. I know they made the change at defensive coordinator finally, but this late in the season, college football playoff hopes down the drain. I don't know if that's going to matter. Um, let's talk conference winner markets because we're, we're getting close. These are kind of shaping up where we have an idea of what some of these, uh, conference championship game markets are going to be, uh, any, any specific conference winners that are taking a lot of money recently. And when do you think we'll start to see some of those look ahead lines populate for potential matchups or matchups that may even be set in stone after this weekend? We're a little ways away from that, but, uh, we're getting closer. Uh, I would okay. say sometime, you know, early December, we could probably start looking at uh, some of those lines. Uh, Alabama continues to take money for the SEC championship game. You know, you've been speaking about them every week, how, you know, they were a great price. Now they're only a dollar. Going again. Yep. Ohio State to win the Big Ten is now plus 160. And Washington to win the Pac-12 
12 championship, only a dollar fifty-five. So uh, there's certainly been some teams have dropped in pricing uh, over the last few weeks. Um, all right, let's close out real quick in college hoops. Johnny, it got going earlier this week. Um, first of all, just how, how's handle been on on college hoops? Because we got a lot of sports going on right now. Really well. I mean, God, people just wait for this moment to happen, and as soon as it does, uh, it doesn't matter. The games aren't the greatest, but there's a lot of them, and uh, and the betters are engaged early. That's my one thing with college basketball. I love when it gets here. I don't love seeing 20, 30 point favorites on opening night. We got to get more of these, the tournament next week on Tuesday night. We got the Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, uh, Michigan state. Give me more of those on the opening week. Props to Baylor and Auburn for, for doing that on, on night two. Um, That was a really good game. But now that we've seen some things, Michigan state lost at home to James Madison. Uh, You know, some teams have looked impressive. Some haven't. Anything popular over the last couple of days in, in the futures market now that we've gotten a tiny glimpse of college hoops? Yeah, they, they like Kansas and Kentucky to win the whole thing. Uh, they, they've been betting both of those teams for the last few weeks. And it, and Duke to make the final four at plus 380. It's another uh, prop that's been getting some action on the future market. So, you know, the college basketball, you're going to have a lot of changes in in future odds throughout the year. So if you don't like a price now, you might like it later on. But uh, this is another pot that continue, will continue to grow to a huge number by the end of the year. Absolutely. All right. That's Odds Are with Johnny Avello here on Unreasonable Odds. Johnny, thanks as always for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right. Thanks, as always, to Johnny Avello for coming on and doing Odds Are. And as promised, we will keep things moving here. And welcome back into Unreasonable Odds, uh, friend of the show, Doug Kazarian. You can follow him on Twitter at Doug Kazarian now of OnlyPlayers.com. You see his show behind him, Wager Watch, that you can find. Uh, Doug, how's it going? It's going great. Good to be with you. Obviously, a lot has occurred and changed since we've last Yes. connected on air at least um it's great things are good um like anything and you got you know you know this from launching a pod and whatever anything in, in the business world things take time and you, you want everything overnight blah 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 so i just love where we are right now how things are progressing obviously it helps to have all these sports going on that just provide out <laughs> endless hours of content but it, it's going really well and i'm really excited and really happy Yes, a lot of sports going on right now, and we will do our best to balance them out in the time that we have. College football, NFL, college basketball, NBA. We're going to start in college football uh, with that Saturday card. Um, before I get to any specific games, uh, just because we haven't had you on this this football season, anything specific jumping out to you in terms of results we've had so far, things that you want to apply them to as the as the season goes on, any futures markets, whatever whatever you want. 
Well, you know, Futures has been fascinating with the Heisman Trophy, particularly. I I grabbed a Bo Nix ticket the night they lost to Washington. I just feel so much of that market should be predictive and not reactionary. But I think it's pretty solid right now with where it is. I mean, even Carson Beck coming down. I would say Marvin Harrison Jr. at 18 to 1 is definitely value. Um, Just because their quarterback, Ohio State's quarterback, has no shot to win the Heisman. So if they beat Michigan and win the Big Ten... And then Carson Beck. I mean, if you look at the other teams in the playoff, even Jordan Travis isn't getting a lot of buzz. So right. I think Harrison Jr. in his name recognition is a nice combination of things. 18 to 1 is too high. It should be like 10 to 1, in my opinion. But in general, I mean, look, the NFL is the NFL. I, I will say the nice thing as a fan, if you look at the futures, and it's funny, it's almost like two different worlds. So I feel like there are tiers and there's a giant drop-off after the top sort of tier with that Chiefs, Eagles, Niners, Ravens, you know, that kind of tier. Then it's like the Lions and maybe the Jags. And then there's like no one else has a shot, in my opinion. So I don't think we're going to have a five-seed, six-seed in the AFC come through and win it all or even get to the Super Bowl. With that being said, the favorite to win it all is like 5-1, to one, which typically is not the case. It's usually plus 350 or 3-1. to one. So yeah. while we have, I think, certain separation, we also have parity within that separation, right? So I think there's a tier, but within the tier is a lot of parity. Yeah, there certainly is. And there certainly are some bad uh, NFL teams. We'll talk about that a little later on. We have a, a 16 and a half, 17 point favorite in Dallas with a total that's in the 30s. That's like unheard of for NFL football. Uh, but let's start on the Saturday card, and we get a big one early. That's Michigan at Penn State. Uh, numbers been all over the place throughout the week. Uh, you know, there's been, I think early on, three was the look ahead line. There's been times seven was the look ahead line. Now the game is here, and at least on DK Sportsbook, as we record on Wednesday afternoon, it sits four and a half. This is a game Michigan has to win. They haven't played anyone, uh, and Penn State has the loss to Ohio State. So if they want their chance, uh, you know, this is a must-win game. For both sides, um, this isn't a game that I've put a play out on uh, in terms of if you're sitting here with with nothing on the line. But as somebody that does have Michigan plus 210 to win the Big Ten from preseason, I had to take some plus seven when that was available on Penn State. Now I'm going to root for a Michigan win and a Penn State cover, see where it goes. But I, I don't see much on this game uh, just as it stands alone. I played under pretty confidently in Ohio State and Penn State. It sits 46 in this one. I think this one could be a little bit different. Michigan might have a little more firepower. Uh, What do you see on this one, Doug? Because I'm having a hard time. If I didn't have my position preseason doing anything with this game. Yeah, I envision a live wagering situation because I think we'll know within five minutes what the deal is with this Michigan team. You've touched on it. They haven't played anyone. I'd be inclined to lay the four and a half. I think Penn State track record with Franklin kind of speaks for itself. I think they got by with keeping it close with Ohio State, but a lot of that was sort of just field position dominance by the Buckeyes and sort of ineptitude on their offense. I think Michigan's offense is better than Ohio State's offense right now, but but to your point, we do not know. So I think this is a classic case of we'll know within the first few minutes just how sharp, polished, um, dominant Michigan's offensive line is, their defense, all that. I'm inclined, though, to lay the points. Like, I'm in pick leagues. I'm definitely laying the points if, if the line's four and a half. Yeah, I like that look. This is a game where we 
let's see how it looks. And that's probably going to be how it continues, uh, continues to look, but you know, Michigan's on the road. So it, you know, it's a tough spot say it that way, but they got to have it. Yeah. Um, but it's an early game. It's an early, that to me, that helps. I mean, if it was a whiteout night game, one of those things I've been to those, they're, they're crazier than a day game. Not that the crowd won't be impactful or anything like that, but you know, a couple knobs on the dial. I think it's a little less. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked that it, isn't the night game, but you know, as a Michigan futures better, I'll take that. Like you said, that gives them a little bit less of an advantage for Penn state in this one. Um, Moving into the, the later afternoon window, we got a few good games here. I'll start in the PAC 12 because the PAC 12 has probably been the most fun conference. Um, We got Washington and Utah this week. Washington takes care of USC last week, plenty of points as we expected now they're going against a really good defense in uh, in Utah. Utah did get embarrassed at home by Oregon. Now we got them getting nine and a half on the road here at Washington. You think Washington slips up at all, or are we going to see them potentially undefeated in that Pac-12 title game? So I, I, I was on Washington like very like loosely last week. I, I just I felt like they were hitting a wall the previous two weeks, right? We had the Arizona State game and. I was I was glad to see just the high scoring like they had all the energy in the world. I think they're going to be fine here. I think Utah gets a lot of mileage off past success. I was on Oregon at Utah as well. This is a tough ask for the Utes. I like the under though. I do think uh, Whittingham's going to try to muck this up, keep it physical. I if Washington can go back to back games, just lighting it up. But the second half they did slow things. They threw a pick in the end zone in that third quarter against the Trojans. They tend to get a little complacent and sloppy at times. Like they, you know, second and three, they'll they'll throw two straight times and then punt. Like stuff like that. Those drives can bog down occasionally. Like all teams, though, they're not alone. Um, I think Washington's defense is better than people realize. I think USC just, you know, is USC, and that's why they made them look silly. So I'm on the under, if anything, in this game. But I would be inclined to grab the points. But your hope, I mean, I'm expecting you know win that by a cup to cover by a couple points. Because I don't think Utah is going to win the game. I like that look on the under, actually. I, I played the under pretty confidently in that Utah-Oregon game. Uh, didn't quite get there the way I thought. Utah was scoring at will, and Washington couldn't score, but it did get there. Um, I do like that look on that one. I'm, I'm going to keep it in the Pac-12 before we loop back to a couple other afternoon games. The late-night game, um, which I really wish was – we've gotten so many good 7.30, 8 o'clock Pac-12 games here on the East Coast. we got a Sunday morning show – Starts at 8 a.m. in studio. I'm probably going to be in bed at some point of this game, but USC and Oregon. Oregon's laying 15, total 73 and a half. The market is saying that Oregon is just going to pound a USC team that has given up. I don't necessarily uh, disagree, and I have plenty of Oregon to win the Pac-12 at this stage. For me, this is one, I'm just going Oregon team total over 44 and a half. They're at home. I see them in a position to keep scoring and have incentive to keep scoring against a defense that shows no resistance. They scored 60, whatever last week at home against Cal. Um, any positions or thoughts or leans for you, Doug on, on this one? Yeah, it's Oregon or pass. I mean, so obviously Grinch got fired, the defensive coordinator of the Trojans, but a large reason yeah. for that was sort of the recruiting and people want to formulate narratives and I'm all about narratives and conspiracy theories and all that, but you just have to really kind of check yourself a little bit with some of these narratives is like the USC defense really going to play better because they have a different defensive coordinator. Like, are they going to try harder? Like we saw the Raiders last week, if they had some locker room issue, like the Raiders did with McDaniels and all that, maybe, 
but it's not like this wizard of defense was sitting there all along under Lincoln Riley's nose and all they had to do was remove Grinch and all of a sudden the USC defense shows up. It it doesn't work like that. They are demoralized. They're not going to win the Pac-12. Now they're going into a lion's den at Autzen and they should get absolutely rolled. Now, if they show up and Caleb Williams plays well, fine. But I have no problem laying the 15. And all in, in this game and everything else, you can't be afraid to lose a bet. You just can't. So yeah. I'm not afraid to lose it. Now, sometimes I joke around and say, which side will I feel less dumb about if I bet? <laughs> I think I'd feel less dumb if I bet or- Oregon and they don't cover. That's fine. Like all the, I've been fading USC all season, though. That's the other thing. I was yeah. not on the Caleb Williams Heisman bandwagon. I thought it was silly talk because team success is so much correlated to Heisman Trophy, and it's all about November. And I knew USC wouldn't run the table. So this Trojans defense is an embarrassment. They don't know how to tackle, and they don't know assignments. And Oregon should be able to carve them up. And I don't think Oregon's going to want to take the foot off the gas because the eye test matters yeah. so much with the rankings. They want to be the highest one-loss team. It sounds like you agree with what – you know, the odds are, are the market is telling yeah. us. And your team total. Oregon. And your team total. It sounds like you think we're going to get that Oregon-Washington uh, Pac-12 title game. It's hard not to think that. Now, will Washington slip up and here and there? That's maybe. Um, they, maybe they Oregon does. They would need to slip up twice pretty much, right? Right. right. I, but I don't – like, I don't – this Oregon team, and this is why I liked them, at least a lean at Utah. This is not like past Oregon teams where they hit a wall – in late October or November and kind of like like Stanford would always beat them or something like that. Yeah. With Dan Lanning and defense, like they have a better defense than people realize, or at least, sorry, in years past. So there's a lot to like with this Oregon team. And it's almost like, I mean, look, I have Bo Nix Heisman ticket, like I said, but that could be, like, I don't think they're as potent offensively with this version of their offense like they were in the past. Now, maybe they're more balanced with the run game and then they're, I just think they're they're more of a complete team that's a legitimate contender especially this year. I think this year's more wide open. So I think they're more have a more viable chance to win it all, but the offenses of some of those teams in in recent years was I think more explosive and more powerful than this one. Yep. I I will be out there in Vegas attending the Pac-12 title game with a pocket stuffed full of Oregon tickets, uh probably <laughs> wearing a Ducks jersey. Um you going to that game, Doug? I typically don't. I know I've been to other games. I've been to too many Las Vegas Bowls that I care to remember. Um, <laughs> but the Pac-12 title game, maybe I'll venture down there to the strip. I, I mean, look, I joke that I built a sports book in my house so I can avoid all that stuff with five TVs and things like that. I yep. you know, Now with, with the way TVs are, the giant screens, the HD, all that, it's hard for me to go to these games. And when I do, sadly, I'm usually on the field or something with a credential. So I'm pretty spoiled over the years, especially when I was working college game day for ESPN. I got to be on the field and go to all these like huge, huge events. That'll do it. Um, Quickly going to run a couple other afternoon ones that I like by you. You can tell me if I passed any games that you like a lot. I'm I'm playing a couple of short uh, home teams on the money line. Actually, one, I guess, is an underdog at this point. Missouri. I think Missouri at home gets Tennessee. Tennessee is good, but like. You know, Missouri just played Georgia really tough. We'll see how Tennessee does against Georgia coming up. I, I don't know if Tennessee is maybe looking ahead thinking about Georgia, whereas Missouri just got it out of the way and they're at home here. So I do like Missouri. And uh, in a game with not many points, they always seem to find a way to win. Iowa, a defensive play, a special teams play is going to make the difference. 
I, everybody's betting Rutgers. I don't know why Rutgers is just this near a pick on the road at Iowa now. Rutgers is the darling of the Sharps, and uh, people love fading Iowa uh, for whatever reason. And those unders, it's crazy how they've been hitting. It's interesting you like Tennessee. So I was on Kentucky a couple of weeks ago at home off a of bye, catching Tennessee at home. Now, they could have covered. Don't get me wrong. They were down nine. We had it around the 10-yard line. Had to settle for the field goal on fourth down because it was a two-score game. But I like the over in that game. I think that thing's like 10 points off. I I, I think that should be a shootout. I really do. Um, it feels really low, all things considered. Now, I know they're stud wide out. The Tigers, um, stud wide out's a little questionable. But mm-hmm. that game in Como should be a, a track meet. I, I it feels like it's now. I think the LSU game at Mizzou got got lucky to go over um, late, but that's a low total, all things considered, uh, with those two teams involved. All right. Uh, before anything for you, and you don't have to give something here. We got plenty on college, but anything I didn't hit on that you want to mention before we go to NFL? No, it's funny you brought up the Tennessee Mizzou game. That's like probably my favorite play of the weekend, but. I, I just think we have to remember we have all these undefeateds at the at the top of the rankings and all this stuff. Like, there's a lot of teams that stumble up. You know, I was talking about Oklahoma. I was like, don't bet D- Dylan Gabriel with the Heisman. They're gonna slip up. You know, and sure enough, they have twice. Uh, so a lot of these teams, like they they're kids, right? So they start to feel the pressure. They start to feel the magnitude of the situation. I think dogs will st- really start barking when these like undefeateds are involved. So. You know, maybe it's Utah with Washington, maybe. Um, but some of these other teams, like that's that is like, don't just the stuff's not played on paper in November. All right, NFL time. Not the prettiest card whatsoever. Uh, not many of them are these days, but this one's you know particularly gross. At least we got Chiefs, Dolphins, Bills, Bengals last week. Um, Niners, Jags. Niners laying three on the road is probably the the featured game of the weekend now. Um, I will start because we talked about this game a little bit uh, with Johnny Avello prior to you coming on the, the early morning game. That's Colts and Patriots in Germany. Uh, the Patriots took a lot of sharp money early on in the season, uh, just game after game kept not working out. Then it works out against the bills. Uh, but I, that did nothing for me. I, I think that, if this team couldn't win a game when they were coming home to play Washington, the week that Washington waves the white flag and trades their two best pass rushers, a team that is awful defending quarterbacks uh, in the passing game and looks like, you know, an 85 bears defense against Mac Jones and Juju Smith Schuster. Like, I don't care what sharp money, pro money, whatever you want to say about this game. And now JC Jackson's not on the plane to Germany. He's having his issues here. This is the type of trip where, like, the Patriots kind of come undone and the Bill Belichick rumors being on the hot seat come more into fruition in my mind. Whereas the Colts are just, you know, they've had their issues too, but they're a decent team. I, I've i talked myself into the Colts in this weird early morning Germany game. I, I don't know what you have to say about it. So last week I was – I really liked the over. I didn't pull the trigger with the Patriots and Commanders, but I think I might do it this game. That This Colts defense is pretty bad, and I think the Patriots should be able to score. I just think the Colts can name their score as well against this New England D. You mentioned you no know, Jackson. I, I Sharp money's come in all year and on the win total in the Pats, and I'll tell you why. Like, 
people forget like two things can be right. So yes, is Bill O'Reilly going to make them uh, a better team offensively? Um, yeah, Bill O'Brien, excuse me. Is he going to make them a better team offensively? Yeah, but they could also, two things could be right. They could also be better offensively and not better as a team or have more wins. And I didn't understand the win total over buys. Like I, I didn't understand any of that. I was like, guys, they're so devoid of talent and their division's really good. This is obviously before the Rodgers injury. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you, what do, like, what am I missing here? Belichick hasn't had it for a couple of years. And I'm the biggest Belichick backer there is. I think he's the greatest coach ever and all that. Just because they upgraded the offense from complete morons to a quality offense coordinator doesn't mean the offense all of a sudden is good. It just means it's less terrible. And so I have no belief in this team as a whole. And I couldn't, you know, look, did I take it on the chin in the teaser with the Patriots-Bills game? Yes, I did. But I've also cleaned up on the other games. So I will continue to fade them. I do lean to the over here. It's actually higher than I thought. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, remember that first half between the Patriots and Commanders was high scoring. I think we see an up and down game here. Any concern that some of these international games generally tend to go under? Does that factor into you all with the total? Well, the whole season's gone under, right? So well, yeah, you could put it that I, way too. <laughs> I don't want to isolate the prime times or the international. That that um, you know Falcons Jags game that was trending over, and then what happens is so it's bad quarterback play, and then what happens is these coaches are so conservative by nature that they just go vanilla and lean on that bad quarterback. Like the Chargers Monday night had yeah. a nice lead and they punt. It's like, they're like, we're going to run three plays. Like let Zach Wilson check down and beat, try to come back and beat us with two touchdowns. And that's where live wagering is great. Now I, I laid, sorry, I took 14 and a half with the jets and laid two twenty, And then you get the fumble scoop and score. I mean, it's just like ridiculous, but that happens. But for the most part, like they take their foot off the gas if they have a nice lead because that's all they know how to do. I just think this Colts Patriots game is going to be an up and down game. So that's why I'm inclined to take the over because I don't think they'll have the luxury of leaning on the uh, the you know ineptitude of the other quarterback because I don't think they trust their defenses like some of these other teams do when these games that have just died in the second half. So I've been saying as fun as the NFL is and 5 years ago, you know, couldn't get me off the couch on an, on an NFL Sunday. Now I'm like all on Saturday college football cards and try, like, oh, if we have some family thing to do, I'm like, yeah, put it on Sunday. Sunday. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm try, you know, college football, college basketball, NBA, those three sports are my betting sports well above the, the NFL. So I'm really trying to tighten up my cards, not risk unless I really like it. Right. If anything else jumps out to me, it's probably going to be something that, you know, would be labeled square like a Bengals or Ray and Ravens teaser or money line parlay. Like, I, you know, I like going against Houston now. Everybody's on Stroud. You're going to Cincy. That's a pretty tough game. Um, I really like the direction that the Ravens are, are trending in. So that's something I'm looking at, but not a ton catches my eye. I don't mind the Steelers at home against the Packers. I, I'm not a huge Packers guy, but. Any other leans for you on the card or places that you're looking at? And as player props open later in the week, I'll probably add some player props, but this is a tough card. Yeah, no, I, 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 well, all these cards are a headache in and of itself. And to your point, the NFL has just been such a pain because it comes down to a third and four and some bump and run and will the ref throw a flag? I mean, that's what these outcomes of the point spreads really come down to. I'm on the Raiders Jets under, by the way, just what we all need is another primetime game involving the Jets, Jets and Raiders. Unreal. But I do think the under is probably my favorite play for the weekend. I 
O'Connell can carve up. I mean, you have to throw out the last week in terms of this Raiders team. First of all, mm-hmm. the Giants had a third string quarterback that played nearly the entire game without practicing all week, right? So like he, DeVito just gets, you know, just thrown to the wolves right away. And then it's against a Raiders defense that hated their head coach and they're playing like their hair's on fire. And then the offense is going against a Giants defense that just didn't want to belong, especially after losing their quarterback. So I think we're going to see, assuming the Jets aren't demoralized after their last loss, which I think they'll show up because that defense is, is solid. I think it's going to be like a 17-13 game. I really do. I, I think the Raiders will be conservative. I don't think O'Connell, I mean, in the last start he had against the Chargers, he held on to the ball for an eternity, had it stripped, and he was sacked a bunch. I think the Jets' pressure was going to get to them. The Giants didn't get anything on them. And then it was one of those games where I talked about earlier, you start playing so vanilla on offense because you trust your defense against the other teams and at quarterback. Well, I think both teams are going to get near the 50 and want to punt. I, I really do, especially in the first half. So I'm going to be heavy on this under and just hope you don't get any special teams or defensive touchdowns and it's going to be a check down thing. And maybe Zach Wilson, as long as Zach Wilson doesn't read the press clippings and try to do too much, I think we should see a literal, literal rock fight on Sunday night. All right, let's move things on to NBA, uh, something both you and I follow follow closely. Uh, with no games on Tuesday, and we're recording on Wednesday, November 8th, we got a big Wednesday card. Um, there's a chance you're listening to this later in the week, and that's already, already passed us by, uh, so we'll try and keep it more general. But um, if there is something you like Wednesday, you can, you can throw it in the mix. Uh, overall thoughts so far on NBA, what's, what's been catching your eye because it's such a, uh, fluid market, always so many, so many moving targets in these games. Yeah, it's parity is what it is. So I think the important thing to realize is what can we learn from the market? And so going into the season, the, the win totals of the highest team over the last five years has just steadily declined. So whether it's the Bucks, the Celtics, whoever it is. Each year, that number has come down because odds makers have realized that there is parity slash teams don't really care about getting the one seed anymore. There's always like one or two teams that take the regular season too seriously. Maybe it's the Mavericks this year. I don't think it is, but sometimes like the Grizzlies a couple years ago were all about that talking yeah. trash to the Warriors, right? The uh, Bucks a couple years ago with one of those Buds years. There's, At least when thought, Grizzlies were taking things too seriously, we had Grizzlies' first quarter team total. That yeah, just there you go. <laughs> so other than that, I mean, you're going to get teams that just don't want to bring it, load management, all that. And then the beauty of the NBA, if you follow it and know it, like when guys are sitting, like some of the guys off the bench will drop 30 on any given night. So you just got to be careful laying lumber. Uh, you know, like the Clippers go to Madison Square Garden and lose in Harden's debut. I mean, that is who, who whoever bets the NBA saw that coming a mile away, right? So you just got to be careful with the spots and assuming the best performance. So the NBA is such a up and down season that I've said it this way, and I hope I'm articulating it well enough, but I think you need more sort of things to align internally, however you handicap in order to make a play like you're like, Oh, it's good that they're coming off a back to back. You know, you can't talk yourself into wagers. It has to be like, okay, these stars are aligned. This is a great spot. I'm getting too many points. Give me the dog. Like it has to work out that way because especially in the NBA, more than any other sport, I feel like there's such fluidity in the in-game market that I'm going to loosely say, and I'm curious what you think 
I would say 90% of the time in a game, you can get a better number either on the favorite or the underdog than the closing number. So if you're going into a game at four and a half, at some point of the game, you'll get plus five or better or minus four or better. So you have to really like that closing line to, you know, if you think a dog's going to win outright and they're plus three and you think they're going to go wire to wire, then yeah, grab the three, grab the money line, whatever. But other than that, like it has to make sense for you to bet pre-flop. Totally on board with that. Um, so many times throughout the game, you're going to find a better a better number sitting there watching. Obviously, you have to be paying attention. You have to be sitting down watching games. You know, if it's a night where you're doing your research ahead of time and you're off the grid or whatever, then sure, make your bet. But if you're going to be sitting down watching these games, uh, then you're generally going to get a, a better number. Like, I don't, there's not many times there's just a right out of the tip runaway winner like I don't I, I had right. the Celtics against the Bucks last year in that game they went to Milwaukee and won by like 50 like if you <laughs> like the Celtics in that game you're glad you got them beforehand but it has to be that type of game not to not to get it um and I'll I'll say this I'm curious necessarily like when you're betting games if it's before game I know the large majority of your action is is in game but like I was on follow the money on VSIN talking to Mitch and Polly this morning talking NBA um, and I just mentioned, you know, like now in the early morning, isn't necessarily a time I'm probably going to bet a game. Now, if Woj tweeted that moment, Joel Embiid is going to sit tonight versus the Celtics, then yeah, you go and pound the Celtics as quickly as you can. But just generally speaking, like you're either betting with using anticipation the night before of, oh, this number opens and I think it's a spot to rest guys, or this is going to come down and you take it. Or you're betting it closer to tip when we get through those afternoon injury reports and guys are in or out or whatever. Because I had my early season reminder the other day. I, I laid points with the Hawks in OKC. SGA was ruled out. What happens? Oh, he's questionable. Oh, he's in. Now I have now I'm five points on the wrong side of that and it loses. So I bet a game early in the morning when I should have just waited. I should have either gotten the good number the night before or waited for those updates and bet it closer to tip. I don't know your thoughts on that. Well, like at SGA is a perfect example because that's the one like player slash team that they say guys Should are out or whatever. <laughs> no, and I and I and I want you want to take it at face value. Maybe prognosis can change. Maybe a player wins that that face off that he wasn't winning the day before. I mean, there's a lot right. that goes into it. But I mean, I say Julian, how dare you go against Arthur, my dog? That was his dog of the day. The Thunder at home. I mean, he. It turned into the favorite of the day after it closed. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but that, that's a perfect example of a spot play, right? So, like, the Thunder had lost a couple. Hawks had won a couple sitting fat and happy. Now they got to take that annoying plane trip to OKC. So the, uh, that's, like, the beauty of the NBA, right? Like, it's just it's just a total head case game you know, a lot of times. So, anyways, in terms of, like, you, you're right. You have to, to monitor the market. And I think as betters, in general, we have FOMO, right? So yep. let's just say a game is plus two and you're like, oh, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. And then it moves to pick and you're like, oh, you're like killing yourself. It's like, whatever, relax. Because at pick them, you now know things that you did not know at plus two. So you can't beat yep. yourself up over this. And I, before, I mean, a couple of years ago, right when this was getting sort of really extreme with the load management, I asked an odds maker, I'm like, how do you put up overnight lines? How do you do all this? He's like, it's easy for us. We have two-way action. Like, if we move a number, like, we're going to get the other side. Like, it's not a big deal. We just let people bet. And then if we have an account that's flagged, that's always getting 
ahead of the number, then we'll do something. But it's the players that have the headache, the betters. And he's right. So, like, we're the ones that don't have the two-way action. We're the ones that have to put our neck on the line with overnight stuff and things like that. And if you have a model and you're beating the market, great. But, you know, I I do stuff for the show and I'm like, eh, I like this side, but it's like the line moves overnight. It's just really hard to anticipate which way the market's going to go. Um, but I think you just it, you can't have a case of FOMO. Like, if... It's really almost apples and oranges. If you like a, if, uh, if you like the favorite of the underdog and the line's four overnight and it moves one way, you cannot beat yourself up if it moves based on information because you didn't have that information at the time when it was four. So you just have to forget that it was ever four and then sort of re-handicap that game knowing that one guy's in or out official. And I, and I think that's the healthiest way to go about this. The The... The uncertainty of a certain person is baked into that number in this example. It's four, but that uncertainty is removed. So now it is what it is. It's kind of like we were talking about the Giants game. Like the line was yeah. whatever, minus, uh, you know, whatever the Raiders were, plus one, minus one. And then Jones gets hurt and they're up seven, nothing. And the new line's like seven and a half. And someone might say, oh, I can't lay seven and a half. I could have had one before the game. Yeah, but they're up seven, nothing. And you know, the starting quarterback, of the Giants is out. Forget that one ever existed. It's a new game. They're going to play the rest of the way, three and a half quarters. So you have to look at it as a different handicap, different situation, and all these factors, right? Oh, a team's out of timeouts in the fourth quarter. That factors into your handicap. Don't worry about what you could have had with less information. It's a new handicap, and you really got to sort of compartmentalize in that regard. Yep, totally agree. Very good message for betters. Um Let's uh, wrap NBA, I guess, with with this. Is there any team or uh, trend or whatever that is that is catching your eye moving moving forward? I know things like Magic are seven and zero first half against the spread. Lakers zero and seven first half uh, against the spread. Maybe Lakers a good team to bet on in game after they fall down. Things like that that have been jumping out to you. So there's a few like quote unquote secrets, right? And and I haven't dug deep on the Lakers with LeBron, but Steph Curry, when he goes in and out of a game, is out of control. You should almost just bet blindly against them when he goes to the bench and on them mm-hmm. when he go, comes in. They beat yep. the um, they had a, they won a game by double digits early in the week. I think it was the Pistons. They won by eleven. Uh, his plus minus was plus seventeen, and Draymond and Clay were plus one plus minus. So guys who are like always in with, he's just a beast. He's a game changer. So like most starters and stars, he sits the start of the fourth quarter for like four minutes. So he comes in like, you know, seven and a half to go and they're down three and they go on and win by double digits. He just, he did it to the Rockets a couple weekends ago. So if you're live betting or fourth quarter stuff, like the, uh, the, honestly, the algorithms do not factor this in. They don't do substitution. So you have to look at the teams that have a giant drop off and we really, this was crystallized a couple of years ago in the same season when the Nuggets had Jokic and then Murray and Gordon were hurt and they were starting Compazzo and all these like random like cast-offs alongside Jokic. And then Curry, that was the year Clay was out and then Draymond was banged up a lot. So, and then the young guys were still too young. I think like uh, Weissman was still on the team. So it's just, it's stark contrast. So maybe the Lakers have that. I got to look into that. If it's LeBron correlated. They have, it's, it's pretty LeBron correlated in yeah. my opinion. They had that they had that game against the Suns. The Suns were short-handed, uh but they were down big going into the fourth quarter and I think LeBron 
sat some in the third and then lobbied to play the whole fourth. And they came back. I think they were plus 400 at the start of the fourth quarter and wound up winning that game. Yeah. So again, is it foolproof? Of course not. Nothing is. But that's where you have the edges because the algorithm, what they do is they take the current score, the current margin and how much time is left and then what the closing line of the game was. Well, the closing line factors in the full 48 minutes and it just it's not an exact science with certain guys because Curry could play the whole fourth, like the playoff game. Like he might just lobby and do it that way. Right. So they can't assume anything. So they just use the closing line and then they have the straddle, the juice to kind of offset the spillage, the, which is like a PL sort of term. But, you know, I was looking at Curry a week ago at 15, 16 to one for MVP, just because I think some of these guys at the top have no chance. Like I don't think Embiid has a shot given the fallout and the criticism after he won it last year in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I just don't think he can win it. I don't think Luca. I now he might. He's certainly MVP worthy. Don't get me wrong. His talent wise, I just don't think the Mavs will have a one or a two seed. And the NBA is so connected, and the criteria of winning MVP is you have to be a one or a two seed in either conference. So I just don't think the Mavs will ever be there. So I think there's some dead money in the MVP pool a lot of the time. But I think Tatum's the only bet you can make plus seven fifty. I, I really think that's the only wager you can make at the current prices. I think SGA is dead money. I, I think Durant's borderline dead money. Giannis is in the conversation. I'd rather bet Booker. I'd rather bet Booker than Durant. Right. I think. Right. Yeah. Booker at eighteen, and then even like I'd rather bet. Um. You know, maybe uh, Dame at these ridiculous odds, right? For the Bucks, if they get the one seed, he has, and he goes off, and you know, Giannis what, just defers. What do you think of Anthony Edwards? So, I mean, again, are they going to get the one or the two seed? That's all. That's I have. where I. That's yep. So that's what, that's what kept me from him. betting Curry, too. That's what kept me from betting Curry. Yeah, that's why I can't do it with Anthony Edwards. Um, let me run one more market by you before we wrap that I think is similar to what you just mentioned with MVP, and that's sixth man. We have some guys high up on the board who aren't going to win sixth man. Cam Thomas is the favorite at plus 700. He's more of a most improved candidate. He very If he's going to keep averaging 30, then he's going to start at some point in time, in my opinion. And you yeah. got guys on the board. Uh, Kelly Oubre, fourteen to one, could be a starter. We'll see with the Sixers' new rotation. Russell Westbrook, fourteen to one. The Clippers have said is a starter for them. They're going to start all those guys. Malcolm Brogdon, fourteen to one, just won it last year with the Celtics. Is he going to win it this year? Coming off the bench for the Blazers? No. Those guys are all uh, you know in the top ten on the board on on yeah. DK Sports right now. None of them are going to win it, in my opinion. So I need to dig deep and find out what's the most games sort of started that a person oh, who's won this award has done. I did, oh, man. Uh, so I did this last year with the quickly Brogdon debate. And I was right. saying all of Quickly's production is coming as, or his big games are coming as a starter. And people did make the but good pushback. Part of, part of being a good six man is being able to yeah. step into the starting lineup. That's a good point. When you're called upon. So I, I did like that, that counter argument. Um, Oh man, I'll see if I can find them quickly. If you have any last thoughts, I, I did the research on what the I think is. quickly is probably a buy, but I wouldn't sleep on Thomas just because I don't think people will care if he starts half the season or something like that. Or maybe okay. he prefers coming off the bench. I, I think you know a lot of these teams will go. He's a sixth th- starter kind of thing, right? Tongue in cheek, and he'll play the fourth quarter, and that's all that matters. Kind of like Ginobili back in the day. So if Thomas just wants to come off the bench and. These players are creatures of habit. I mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. Why would you have your five best scores all start, right? You want to stagger anyway, right? The teams that have a big three, you're going to stagger them. So at least one's on the court at all times. 
Um, Billy Donovan took forever to figure that out in OKC, but you want to stagger guys. And if you start a guy on the bench for four minutes, who cares if he's not a starter, if you're staggering him the right way. And if a guy's a gunner, then you want to play him when the other guys who need the ball are off the court. I mean, it's a simple concept. If you think about it, you just have to think outside the box, kind of like sports has evolved over the years with just, you know, before the baseball had the rules, like the shift and all these things. If you just start thinking outside the box, it makes perfect sense. Why are the first four minutes? Why do they matter more than the next four? In fact, like the back, like you, in fact, you should play certain guys who draw fouls the last four minutes of the first quarter than the first because they're in the bonus and if they're a good free throw shooter. So I think there was a time where Steph was going to the bench in the middle, like a couple minutes of the first mm-hmm. because he was in the, they were in the bonus at the end of the quarter and you want him with the ball in his hands yeah. and drawing fouls. But then the trade-off is you want that extra time on the bench between quarters. So you get like eight minutes of real time and three minutes of rest or whatever of stoppage right. time. Because because teams are in the bonus, you can get two two minutes of game time can be, feel like seven minutes or whatever of actual rest to the body. So that's all part of the equation in all of this. That's why guys are sitting and versus like guys are playing at the end of the quarters because of the bonus. So um, there's a lot that can happen with this, but you're right. You should anticipate certain things. And obviously a trade will factor into some of this, the domino effect. Yeah. Um, but I love these index indexes that have dead money in them. And I was talking about some of the MVP market, but yeah, it sounds like this market certainly has dead money. Yeah. It's, I, I can't tell you who it's going to be. I don't know who right. the six man is going to be or who the best price is at the moment I, I still haven't gotten that part but i do know that there's some guys 14 to 1 on the board that shouldn't be there and by the way our producer samir slacked me and this sparks me from when i did this last year uh most starts by a six man was lamar odom he started 35 games in 2010 to 2011 okay that's and almost half the year of starts. Almost half the season right yeah and then we're assuming that he came off the bench the other 47 or whatever the math is what right, if you only maybe played like games. thirty other games, right? Like, so what if yeah, more? So, right, so I'll take you, back. I'll I'll pull back what I said about Cam Thomas. I'm going to keep Cam yeah. Thomas alive. I will not take it back on Westbrook, Ubre, and Brogdon. Even though Brogdon is coming off the bench, like I, I just think those guys are, aren't going to be in the mix. Yeah, Westbrook's sort of that X factor because he's you know, you he's part of maybe what keeps Harden engaged or whatever. Right, like you don't know. But I don't think he's going to win. I mean, I, it would just take too much. And the stat line, there's too many there's too many mouths to feed on that team anyway. So he could do it with, like, rebounds and stuff like that. But I think a guy like Quickly, and you have to factor in the New York factor with Quickly. So, And then, obviously, with Cam Thomas as and well. He, so I, he, was, he arguably should have won it last year and, yeah. and didn't sometimes voters factor that. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, there's a couple of awards markets to maybe poke around in if you are uh, listening um, Doug, we will let you go, but it will, I'll, any any college basketball thought, and you you don't have to have one because we're very Ooh. early. No teams have played each other. A- anything there? Well, I, I'll, I'll say this: as much as we know, opening week has the the the, the world of the uh, live underdog out, or the you know the the, the dogs that are live that went out right, like we saw Michigan mm-hmm. State go down. We saw DePaul. Chalk has been covering now. Some of that's three point favorites, four point favorites, but don't be afraid to lay some lay some wood either uh the chalk's been chalk's been covering more than it hasn't so far in this young season but you know just because it's there doesn't mean you have to bet it like ease into this stuff it's it's a lot to take on and there's a lot of people who are 
focused on one market that you're betting into. All right. He's Doug Kazarian of OnlyPlayers.com. You can find uh, his show, Wager Watch. Anything else you want to you pitch that you got going on with the new gig? Yeah, the YouTube channel, but everything is also embedded on the site at OnlyPlayers.com. So we have the entire show, the entire YouTube show every day, every weekday, I should say. But then also clips chopped up from those shows in all the articles. So it's a, it's a giant website and uh, entity dedicated to sports betting. All right, there we go. Who doesn't like that? Um, We will be back on the other side of this. Samir and I will just wrap the show with some best bets. Uh, Doug, thanks as always for joining us on Unreasonable Odds. All right, great. Thanks for having me. It was good to connect. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Thanks to Doug Kazarian for coming on. Um, I think Doug always does a really great job, although he he did offer up a couple of his favorite plays of the weekend. Doug always does a really good job about talking about how to approach betting markets and, uh, you know, what your philosophy would be or should be going into this stuff. So hopefully you listen closely. Hopefully you took something from it. Um, all right. We are going to wrap with best bets on the show. Um, generally I give two, I think I'm only going to give one this week. Um, and Samir is going to give, I don't know how many, but would you like to lead us off Samir? Sure. I can lead us off. Uh, I was thinking about giving multiple, but I I had a reality check last week, uh, going over two (laughs) there. So I want to, I want to be more manageable. I want to, I want to choose a bet I truly believe in. And I'm going to take the Jaguars to cover at home against the 49ers this week. Hmm. Uh, I do really like it on the money line, but I do. I just don't know. You know, Debo is he going to play? There's like so many questions coming off the bye. Like, I think Jacksonville will keep it competitive. Uh, I really like the team. I like them to do something later in the playoffs. But uh, you know, it feels like it might be a try and be a get right spot for the 49ers after their recent struggles. All right, so there's an NFL home dog for you. Guess what? I lied. I'll give you two. They're both from the same game. They're both almost the same play. I can do this, Samir. I have a much better record. Um, You wouldn't want to tank your record. Okay. I talked about it with Johnny. I talked about it with Doug. USC is not going to Oregon when Oregon has to win this game and do it with style points. Oregon team total over 44.5, minus 125. Oregon first half team total because they're going to get it done early. 22 and a half. We're going over both of those. Um, I, I think that, you know, in order to get that team total, they've got to do it early. USC just gave up 35 in the first half to Washington. I think that they generally give up big chunks early. So I'm going to take both of these plays uh, very, very correlated and hope to cash both of them on the Ducks. Quack, quack. Uh, that is it for unreasonable odds this week. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back. We got another Wednesday record next week, I believe on November 15th. 
And um, until then, good luck with your bets. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.